This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome. To the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller's producing the program. He's glad he's with us. Sitting across from me is the Commercial Appeals Lead Sports Columnist, the lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. He's the top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee. Barely. Tied for eighth best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter at MGNato. Mark, good day, sir. Happy birthday, Michael Jordan. Turned 60 years old today, Jeffrey. Is it today? Because I'm nearly certain he has the same birthday as my youngest brother. And that's February According, 17th. I, I, I think you're misguided on this. I'm going to call you out. His birthday is on Friday. You are correct. Thank you. I'm going to uh, call you out on that one. So I, 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 have made a, I've, I read the headline, didn't mm. read the story quickly enough. Mm. He made a historic... $10 million uh, now donation apologize today. To, apologize to everyone that you complain about when they just read the headline but don't read your story. That's true. That's a good point. It's it's the it's the height of irony. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, um, I guess it's just a happy make happy day for make a wish, the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Yes. Because Friday is actually Michael Jordan's birthday. Mm-hmm. And my youngest brother. And your youngest brother. Yeah. More importantly. Yes, most importantly. Um, Grizzlies play today. Back last game of the All Star break, Mark. We're in a bad spot. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're trying to. Hey, Tigers are in action tomorrow. We got Tigers yeah. tomorrow. Big game for Tennessee tonight. Are you? I had made the decision after the Super Bowl. I made. I won money, and I was like, you know what? This football season was a war, and it wasn't a particularly good war. I mean, maybe I. I can call. I'm like the Americans in the War of the 1812. They burned down my capital, but I called it a tie. Like, that's 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 what I'm going to say. I call it a tie. I decided I was going to rest up. I'll, I'll see college basketball. I'll start betting college basketball again. Close to conference tournament time. And then I'll get ready for, for the actual tournament. And then Monday night came, and I was bored out of my mind. And then Tim Murray joined us yesterday and threw out three winners. And so uh, I'm back to betting college basketball. So that's mm. where we are because this, man, this is a brutal slate in the calendar. It's tough. It's tough out there. It's it's, t- it's a time to reconnect with loved ones, recharge the batteries. You know, it's not, yeah, that, what that's else not you, got? you need to push the you know put pedal to the metal even more. Yeah, no. Go have some. Go have some. Uh, get get reconnected with Aaliyah. See what you, you know. I do everything with her. <laughs> Uh, well, well, there's get- a lot of complaints she can have about the marriage. Me being present's not one of them. Oh my! I just offer her the opportunity to sit next to me while I watch sports. Mm, there you go. Um, well, we got a lot. We got a lot to get to on today's show. It's buy, sell, shorter. Go to Reddit Wednesday, and the Grizzlies are in action tonight against the Utah Jazz. Last game before the All Star break was down at shoot around earlier today. Talking, John Jaron spoke ahead of All Star weekend. You you could tell you the vibe. There's a definite vibe of, you know, hey, pretty happy the All Star breaks here right now. It's, like uh, like this, uh, you know, we need to get we need to get away for a sec. Because I saw some takes out there about last night with like Milwaukee and Boston, and I'm just watching that game, and you just sit there and you think of like, this is 
maybe not like last day of school, because like with last day of school, there's kind of an excitement of, heck yeah, it's the last day of school. It's like before you had finals. You know what I mean? Like when you Mm -hmm. actually, it's like the day before the last day of school. Everybody's checked out. No, I'll tell you what it is. It's the... It's the Tuesday before uh, Thanksgiving. It's like the two. It's a work Tuesday of Thanksgiving week. Yeah, everybody's checked out. Yeah, and the real, you know, hey, elite teams win a game like tonight's game. Um, but we'll dive into it in a second. Two forty or so. David Cobb from CBS Sports. I, I don't know if that's the definition of elite team. We're gonna have to push back on that. This is hey, this is one of my boom facts. You know, like elite NFL teams all score before halftime. No, 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 no. Elite NBA teams no. win win go home games. No, rule number one: elite NFL teams win games with their backup quarterback, and when they score then, at the end of the half. No, that's the sign. That's the sign of a playoff contender is scoring at the end of at the end of halves. That's okay. That's like when he that. But no, elite because remember he set it up with Cooper. The Cowboys winning with Cooper Rush. Yeah, no, and it was uh, and Gardner Minshew. Correct. Although um, they never, the Eagles didn't win with him. Yes. And remember a year ago, Boom was calling for Minshew, low key calling for Minshew to start for them. In fairness, Jalen Hurts was not pl- like it yeah. was Jalen Hurts this year. It didn't Jaylen come Hurts. off as an outrageous Correct. take, uh, unlike maybe a take he had last year during was, the Super Bowl episode of primetime. I do feel like Boom and I would be in simpatico in this. We know what we saw with Jalen Hurts this year, and you can't deny it. You can't take it away from him. Mm-hmm. But I can tell he's still like, what's up. What's going on? <laughs> He's got some more trouble than he that. He can do this. Um, but uh, David Cobb will join us. We'll get into uh, all sorts of stuff with him, including that Alabama-Tennessee game tonight in the SEC. Uh, 3 o'clock or so, we'll get into the list. There is a, I think, the biggest story that's not getting talked about a lot here in Memphis, I want to lead the list with. And it involves Memphis tangentially. And it's specifically about the Grizzlies' broadcast rights. Okay. Um, I want to get into that in the list next hour, so stay tuned for that. And uh, like I said, we'll get you ready for that Grizzlies-Jazz game uh, tonight, 7 o'clock, right here on 92.9 FM ESPN, last game before the All-Star break. But before we get to all that, let's play a little buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit. It's that time on 92.9's Giannato and Jeffrey show, where we either buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit. All right, Jeffrey, we're going to start things off with the Grizzlies. Go big picture here, okay? Win or lose, whatever about tonight. Hopefully they beat the Jazz, team that's competing for a play-in spot, sort of. Just traded Mike Conley. I would say reluctantly. Yeah, <laughs> like sort of. They, they're just good enough to maybe make the play-in. Um, and it, it's the return of Jordan Clarkson after the last time they played the Jazz, and he, you know, tried to hands up. A, yeah, he tried to get in a fight with uh, Desmond Bain. Uh, but it is the you know, like I said, it's you could just sense it being down there. Hopefully, they get a win. I wouldn't make a grand judgment based off this game, given uh, I think everyone is ready for the All Star break <laughs> to start. Uh, but. When we come out of the All-Star break, we've talked about it. The schedule looks uh, – those first 10 games are are uh, all pretty big games. And the reality is the players talk about the All-Star break like it's a halfway point. And I guess if you make the NBA Finals, it kind of is a halfway point of the season. Like if you're going far in the playoffs – If you're doing the calendar. Yeah, yeah. this is a – this is halfway point. But really, when you get out of this, you're going to have 25 games left. Right. Um, it's going to be not a sprint, but a, a gallop, you know, like I mean, basically you're three quarters of the way done with regular season. And, and so when you look at the standings now, there's a more, um, there's more urgency to it. If that makes sense. Like you can, there's not enough time. There's not a lot of time, not as, not nearly as much time to make up a bunch of games at this point, obviously. And so here's the question for you, Jeffrey. Because this question, or not question, this buy, sell, short, go to Reddit, is ultimately dependent on who they play in the playoffs, which is dependent on where they finish seeding-wise. But buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit, the Grizzlies will play a second-round NBA playoff series this year. So obviously, you know, that that implies they are winning. Right, they're going to win the first round. They're going to do what they, at least do what they did last year. So I want to, let's explore this question first. Do we think... Like we, because as you pointed out on Monday, like that 
it's it's really not even a ten game stretch. It's like eleven games. Yeah, right if after you include the, the Heat. It yeah, depends what you think of the Heat. Uh, I mean, I think the Heat are a test. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they're they're they're, they're a credible basketball team. Mm-hmm. But they're currently in sixth in the Eastern Conference. I remember thinking last year when we got to the All Star break. Because there was this question with the Grizzlies last year of when they were going on these runs. It's like, okay, is this for real? Is this schedule dependent? And it wasn't just people asking locally. Like, that was kind of the national conversation. And there was this thought after the All-Star break that the intensity would kind of ramp up. It didn't really. It kind of just stayed what the regular season, like, they had a similar type feel. Maybe it felt a little bit more intense because... Teams were running up, running up against the clock, and so they had to like push it for the standings. That's kind of the first question that I have. Do you think after the All Star break, league wide games are going to have a different feel? I thought that last year, and then it I didn't. I really felt like, especially the last ten or fifteen games, kind of felt like they were just everyone was just pressing like wanting to press fast forward to the playoffs and they didn't you know like ultimately now maybe it's different this year because it, the western conference is a lot more even now it's why it's <clears throat> widened up a little bit but ultimately there's only four and a half games separating separating Memphis and Dallas five games between second and eighth it's really it's still pretty compressed except for Denver has now sort of given itself a pretty decent cushion from the pack. Yeah, if I recall, post All Star break, the standings were a little cleaner last year. Like, like Phoenix, Phoenix had clearly separated themselves, but the Grizzlies had then separated themselves. From, it was like the Grizzlies and Golden State were then compete jockeying for second and third, and it was like the Grizzlies were getting close, inching closer and closer, and then eventually surpassed Golden State because remember Golden State started off last year really fast. And then, and then Steph got hurt. Yeah, and they went through like a lull in the middle of the season and even towards the end. Like they didn't really pick it up until well, the very they end clearly, of the season. They had clearly decided the most important thing for them going into the playoffs was getting healthy. Yeah, and healthy, I think yeah. I think that's what's going to be fascinating to watch because when you talk about that those those final like ten games of the year, mm-hmm. that's what it felt like to me was most teams were just decided we've remember, just got to get healthy. Remember last year there was a, there was a separation between Sixth and seventh, like it was. There yes. was a very clear sixth last year. I think it was Dallas. Um, maybe they were fourth or fifth, but there was there was like jockeying for position between like I think fourth, they were fifth, they were sixth. either four or five. Yeah, but there was jockeying for position there. But there, right now, it's like it's jam packed. Even from you know from there's a, there's a separation of you know a game and a half between fourth and seventh right now. So. Uh, it's much so there'll be more teams, I think, engaged if that makes sense towards the end of the year. This year would be my guess. I but also think there's though there's this reality. That's why I think I still think though the last ten games don't look at the name of who they're playing because who the hell knows what who's going to be playing for that team. We've seen that over the his you know over time in the last five years, especially. The last ten games of the year, it's a crapshoot who's playing who because they're all everyone's oh, no, you, trying you, to rest. You can up get G League teams wearing the and, the the big boy jerseys, and that's why I say it, it's not demotion. The last, the first ten or eleven games out of the All Star break to me are really important. If you go like five hundred in those, I think you're going to be fine in terms of staying in second place. So I also think though there there is this possibility though because of all the shakeup mm-hmm. at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. It does seem to me that there is the possibility of a lot of these teams kind of trying to figure it out. Yeah. During the last during that last 25 games. So, I'm going to go ahead and buy this. So you're buying that they get to the second round. Here's why I buy this. As of today, they would be playing either New Orleans or Minnesota in the first round of the NBA playoffs, the Memphis Grizzlies would. So, the reason why I'm buying it is if you go look over at basketball reference and the Postseason probabilities again. It's mm-hmm. not. I don't know. If Vegas is setting lines based on those probabilities, mm-hmm. but the Grizzlies have a seventy-five percent chance of getting the two seed. Mm-hmm. No one else, I think, even has higher than an eight percent chance, and that's Denver. And neither one of us expect Denver to come back to the pack at this point, mm-hmm. barring some type of injury. So, in the end, where it starts to get, where the only reason why I would have hesitation buying this is. We've kept talking about 
we expect some teams to kind of eventually separate. Teams that we thought were going to be good. Well, 68 games into the season, we haven't really seen it. It's kind of, the standings have looked somewhat similar to this basically for months now. And when you really think about it this way, this is the worst stretch of basketball the Grizzlies have played in two years. And all it really cost them was the number one seed, in my opinion. It hasn't really cost them that much ground between two and three. I think it's a game and a half, maybe. Mm -hmm. And so I still think making up basically three games over the course of 25, when I think there's going to be some that if you just show up and play, you're probably going to win. That's a pretty difficult proposition. And I think they're going to wind up in the two. And the thing that would give me hesitation is if, like, the Warriors just decide, you know what, let's do what we did last year. Yeah, we'd prefer to be in the six and avoid the play-in thing, but whatever. It's an extra game. Let's get everybody healthy. Let's get ready to go. And we have no problem taking on Memphis. Mm -hmm. So if we're in the 7-8 game, so be it. And we'll play our way in. I think there's some difficult matchups. But in the end, you're going to be a a significant favorite against pretty much the seven seed. Well, to me, it's it's all about who are they getting in the first round. Because if you look at, like, potential playoff teams, I think they'd be favored over Sacramento in a series. And Sacramento's in third right now, but, you know, I don't know. They're only two and a half games from being in seventh right now also. Um, And, you're you know, frankly, Memphis is only two and a half games up from – Losing its spot at two, it could you know you never like I think if Memphis falls to three, and if it has to play Phoenix, the Clippers, or Dallas, like that's going to be a really tough first round series. Um, like, Weirdly, I feel better about Dallas this year than in years past, even though that's been a bad matchup for them. I don't, I don't know if I like, I don't know if I want to go against Kyrie and Luka Doncic. Well, they can't figure out who's taking the last shot, Mark. Yeah, that was the first game. I actually was encouraged by what I've seen from them. There's still so plenty far. of time for Kyrie to tear this thing apart. Yeah, I think he's going to be a good soldier here for the next few months. He knows <laughs> based on what. Based on the fact that he needs to to get paid this offseason. Someone's going to pay him anyway. It happens every time where someone just decides, you know, this guy is special offensively. Like, th- I, well, I think this, this time, it's, this time I, it's a good fit. I definitely think if he re-signs with them, he will ruin the team eventually. But, like, I, I actually— Don't give up on the dream, Mark. I wouldn't want to face two this guys could be, like that. This could be Kyrie's Sistine Chapel. Mm. Tearing a team in— Dallas Sin, the, and the split, with those two guys, that would be the, a slow paced series. I wouldn't want to. But I that's the thing, though. With Kyrie, they haven't been playing slow paced. I mean, it's been two games. When one, in one Kyrie game with Luka. style is Luca is the ultimate ball dominant, slow it down guy. But when <clears> Kyrie on the floor, that's not his game. Yeah, I think when they get to the playoffs, it will be because that's that's where they'll be the most successful because they got two guys who can break down. I will say this: dribble. if you lose to the Mavericks, which again, by the way, you can lose to all these teams. Like, to me, one of the more scary teams is what happens if New Orleans gets healthy and they're stuck in that play-in? Because... Well, I mean, I, I wonder what's going to happen with New Orleans. I mean, they have not been good since Zion Correct. L- got hurt, and it looks like he's not going to be back for a while. And like, they're, what if they're what if they're that team... They're only a game and a half from not even being in the play-in. Yeah, you could still tell me, though, that they wind up being one of those teams that, like, tries to get healthy, and then in that play-in, like, that that's yeah. a scary matchup. Yeah, I'd still rather play the group of Sacramento, New Orleans, Minnesota. I also think it's possible that the Clippers fall to seven, even though everyone's like, well, they've been playing better. Well, they've been playing better at home. They're only a game out of seventh. Yeah. Um, but, no, I'd rather play Sacramento, New Orleans, or Minnesota than I would Dallas, Well, I mean, Clippers, ideally Phoenix. you'd like to play, like, Portland. Yeah. I don't know if I want – yeah, I'd rather – no, ideally you want to play, like, I think – I think New Orleans, because they're beat up, and if they do get healthy, they're going to have barely played together. And they're, like, much young. They're, like, less experienced than you. I guess they do have McCollum, but... I still would be somewhat... I'm scared of them if at full strength. But I think it's also fair to ask, well, how can you expect that? Zion's hurt again? I mean... Yeah, like, I'd be, I'd be more... At this point, New Orleans not making it at all wouldn't surprise me. The bottom is pretty bad. 
I mean, I guess you could say who the Lakers climb in there in Portland. Is that what you? It's really to me if you get if you get in a series with the Clippers, the Mavericks, or the Warriors, like that's going to be a tough series. You you can win all three of those. You can beat all any all three of those teams in a series. What's going to be a tough series? I think. I know you're not sold on the Clippers, but. No, no, tough series is no. Yeah. I, I'm trying like to. You're no, going I was six actually, or seven games. I was with going all those in a different teams. direction. I think I was trying to think if I would include other teams. I still think they're going to be a the only team that you could tell me they're not a favorite against, and it's just because of a, it would be a betting line. If they played the Warriors, you could tell me that they're not favored in that series because people would just mm-hmm. be like, "Oh, the Warriors are healthy. Here they are." I'm concerned with what I've seen from them lately in the fourth quarter of games. Because, like, basically, like, how they've been ending games is, like, you can directly correlate that to, oh, like, that happens in every playoff game. What, they're, what they've had to try, what they've struggled with of late is what you have to do to close out playoff games. Scoring in the half court. Yes. And, like, scoring the half court in the last five minutes of regulation and I would, when it's a would, close game. And I would argue having one-and-done defensive possessions. Like, what we saw where they've been getting killed is just on the glass and you're just giving yeah. teams so many opportunities at another possession. Yeah. So, um I think uh, I'm going to I'm going to buy that they play a second round series probably more out of emotion than anything else. So, you I I'm, I, I oh, get, so you're afraid to like actually give your opinion? No, I think they're going to win a series cuz I think they're going to stay in the two spot. I think it's essential to stay in the two spot. I think I think you really put yourself in danger of having a very tough matchup if you're in that 3 spot. Whereas it's just less likely you're going to get uh you know, like yes, you could get the Warriors in the 7 spot, but you also could get the Timberwolves again, you could get the Pelicans, someone like that. Um Portland, whatever. However this shit ends up shaking out. Um and I think they're going to keep the two spot ultimately. That would be my thought. I'm trying to think who, who that is in play in contention. Do you feel confident in saying they're not going to they're going to play their way in? I think the only answer is Golden State, and isn't that right now more reputation than anything? Yeah, I mean, like it, New Orleans, Minnesota, Utah, Portland, Oklahoma City. It's like a kind of you put them all in a. Put them all on a thing and or put you know, shuffle them all up, and one card will come out, or three three cards will come out. Who knows who's, who it's going to be? Like, so this is kind of the point that I'm making about Golden State, where I feel like I've been waiting on them to make a move for so many months. But well, Steph's he, been hurt. I know, but think about this. But this is of them month by month. You ready? Mm-hmm. So October three and four, basically a 500 team. November eight and seven, 500 team. December, eight and seven, five hundred team. January, seven and six. Well, and if you look at them, they've struggled at the end of games too lately. Like if you go like li- listen to some of Steve Kerr's comments recently, like last night he was talking about how they've kind of let a bunch of games get well, away that they should have won. Theirs has been the opposite problem. I feel like from the Grizzlies, their main problem has been not they can't get stops. Because they usually have to go small when they're closing these games out, yeah. and so they haven't been able to get stops. Whereas the Grizzlies haven't been able to get buckets for the most part. Yeah. So, but I'm gonna I'm gonna buy that they're that they're gonna go to the second round. All right. Um, all right. Uh, buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit. Let's go to Tiger basketball here. You're okay with Kendrick Davis? What he said today about UCF, and whether you consider it bulletin board material or not, you're okay with what he said. And here's what he said, Jeffrey. Um, it was in response to after Memphis lost to UCF a month ago. Um, they basically they, they talked some trash. They puffed their chest out a little bit. But uh, Kendrick Davis, two reporters today, uh, said he remembered that one of the UCF players said after the double overtime win that since Memphis was being talked about so much, they wanted to show them something. Um, and Kendrick then said today, quote, I'm ready to show them they got to play us again. Which, eh, you know, is trash talk, but also, you know, kind of innocuous. So I went back before, but to give you some context, I went back. I wanted to find what exactly UCF said after that win. And best I could tell from the press conference I found from after that game, um, Taylor Hendricks before the game and after the game noted that basically Memphis was picked ahead of UCF. And that was... um, you know, they viewed it as they needed to knock off Memphis in that in that case. 
But then his teammate, C.J. Kelly, I think took it one step further, said, quote, Memphis, this is after UCF won the double overtime game. Memphis was given the second spot in the AAC. We definitely had to pack them up. Okay, so I'm unclear. Mm -hmm. If you're just responding, Mm -hmm. is that bulletin board material? I don't think so. And that's why... Um, yeah, so I guess I have I'm to buying. buy this. I'm, I yeah. think we double buy. I'm okay with what Kendrick said. One wasn't like wasn't like incendiary, anyways. Like just saying you got to play us again, you know, um, which is factually true, factually accurate. Uh, and then two, I think what C.J. Kelly said was a little, you know, we we definitely had to pack them up. Even that's like kind of innocuous. Yeah, I mean, but it's the- still a little. It's a little. It's a little stronger than you got to play us again. I think it's more incendiary than when and they Kend- were given the second spot. But I actually, if I'm if I'm coming from the UCF position, mm-hmm. I understand that. Yeah, because for the most part, everyone's like, "Well, Memphis is going to be the second best team." Mm-hmm. Now the funny thing is, is since that game, I mean, remember after they won that game, Memphis and UCF switched spots in Lenardi's thing. Like UCF was a lat. UCF went went from first four out to last four in, and Memphis went from last four in to first four out. Um, but since then, UCF has really uh, – they've been very inconsistent. Um, they actually lost five games in a row after they, they had, beat Memphis. Haven't they had pretty bad injury luck? Um, no, I think they've just been pretty inconsistent. They've just been a Johnny Dawkins team. Um, and they've recently beaten Wichita State and Tulsa. Um, but they're not going to get – right now – you look at the AAC standings, they're on the outside looking at, like they're going to have to play a first-round game in the AAC tournament. They're not even – they're like two games out of being in the top five, in the top five get a bye in the AAC. So even though they beat Memphis, they've really dropped off since they beat Memphis. Yeah, I, this just falls into the category for me of if you're responding to someone else's somewhat – and I'm on the incendiary list – it's pretty innocuous. Pretty innocuous. Because yeah. like in the end, he's like, "Yeah, everybody gave him the second seed. We wanted to sh- we wanted to prove that wrong." Yeah, and he said it post game. Yes, the pregame line was really nothing to me. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that was just like a hey, we yeah. want people at the game. Like yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? Like that was yeah. that to me. All that it's a was, big game. Yeah, that was yeah. essentially that's what he was saying. And I have no problem with what Kendrick said because again, he was simply responding to what was said. Yes. Is this being tossed around as bulletin board material? No. I, or is I was, this... That's what I was putting. I was just putting it out there on buy, sell, short, or go to red. Okay, so one thing I have noticed rec- I... recently, or at least I guess maybe since covering the AAC more, um, I'm not a big fan of the UCF beat. The oh. UCF beat, <laughs> I don't even want to call them homers. They're just cheerleaders. Like, it, that is a strange beat. Well, because I don't think many of them, like, that, that, was that program getting regularly covered before the last, like probably before the George O'Leary years? Probably not. So, I mean, like, I, no, I mean, like they when they even when they had Culpepper. Yeah, like you never heard of no. The it it is. I think that's probably fair. It's a relatively new young beat, but it's also a beat. I think it's also kind of the mentality of the school and those that support the school is talk your way into being something. And so I think maybe to cover them, you kind of have to sip that Kool-Aid because to me, it's not even necessarily being a homer. It's just like, they just like drink it up. Strange beat to me. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure the dynamics there, but it's, uh, I like the fact that, because as I said yesterday, I think tomorrow's game is more important for them than Sunday's game at Houston. I know there's the potential benefit of, you know, if you win at Houston, like, that, that gives you real breathing room. Like, real breathing room. Because oh, that'll oh, be one of the at, best wins in the country this a year. A win at Houston gives you a mulligan. It, it it would be one of the best wins in the country this year, if not maybe the best, according to the net. Winning at on the, I mean, on I the think, road. I mean, I think technically, yeah, I guess if it's on the road. Oklahoma's win against Alabama by 30, so... Pretty big net win, yeah. especially considering they're like thirteen and thirteen. Shout out to covered in one last again among the best yeah. wins. It's and, a, it's one of the top five wins of the year. Yes. Yeah, and but I still think losing to UCF 
which is, to me, more likely than you beating at Houston at Houston. Would you agree with that statement? Oh, yeah, but, it's, I mean, you're yes. going to be like a double-digit underdog on Sunday. You're going to be, I don't know, six-point favorite. It's far more important that you beat UCF this week than if you beat Houston. No, like, I, I, like losing to Houston, I don't, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter. It means very little in the grand scheme of things if you lose at Houston. It's going to do very – it is not going to really do any damage to your profile. No, you're basically going to do what every other team that went to Houston. Like, than, it'll guess, look like it when Lenardi updates his things, but that'll only be because – other teams did stuff, not because your profile changed. I just mainly say keep looking at these teams in the bubble. Last night, did you see, did you see uh, Lil Ricky Patino? <laughs> Lil Ricky. Lil Ricky had quite the Richard. night. Richard. Took an L at home, a double-digit loss at home to like seven-win Wyoming. This is my whole thing. When people keep doing the, well, they can't lose, they can't lose. Literally... The only reason why is you look at these other teams, Mark, all these teams have these types of bad losses, and Memphis, for the most part, avoided it. I, I'm always thinking about this. Do you think there'd be as much apprehension if they would have held on to beat Tulane at home? Just say split. I'm not even saying win the first game. But it feels like so much of this apprehension is based upon because people are looking at Tulane more historically or emotionally in which they're not used to losing to Tulane twice, and so that's clouding well, everyone. I think it's more just look. I think it's Lenardi. It's Lenardi having him so close to the bubble, and his his bracketology is the one you see. Like ninety percent of people who are watching no, no, I, this I'm play not, out, I'm not pushing back on that. You know, use his bracket. Like his bracketology is the one they see. Okay, but this and is, Memphis is really no, close no, to the line. I, I've I've poorly stated the question. What I'm saying is. Do you think this apprehension of, well, you're saying oh. just win out, win out? Like, well, you you should be able to have a, a mulligan. Like, they want basically what they're saying is I don't expect. Well, that- I think it's fair in this sense. Like, I think Cincinnati is like, like they have to play Cincinnati at home. I think that's a very equivalent type of game to the Tulane game, ultimately. But I think they look- match up better with with. I think I they know, match but up Cincinnati's better. like a pretty good team. Like they're all right, right? But just like Tulane is but- all right. But the but to me the key difference is Memphis matches up better with Cincinnati and Tulane matches up better with Memphis. Probably. I mean ultimately, I mean we'll see, we'll see with the Cincinnati game. I'll be curious to see if they can, you know, now that they did, you know, Memphis did what they did against Cincinnati. Remember they let the big guy like have his best day of his career and basically said we're not going to let the shooters beat us. Well, if we're going to basically give you this big man. He can do whatever he wants yeah. inside. And but we don't think he's going to beat us. We think your shooters can beat us. Can they pull that off again? I don't. You know, I don't know. We'll see. Remember, and that was like you know, um, I think that's going to be a tougher game. It's at home, so I expect them to win it. But I think that's going to be a tougher game. I'm it's not gonna... saying that this is the big problem that we've talked about consistently mm-hmm. with the AAC is that I don't think. Unfortunately for them, it's like if you lose one of these, it's other than the Houston, it's considered a quote unquote bad loss. Even though we've talked about it, it's not necessarily well, Cincinnati would as of today would be a quad two. The quad two. I still think their path is either win one of the and the sneaky, the sneaky tough game. I don't. I, tomorrow, I guess this I, is what I, say. I think you have to go five and two somehow. Yeah, I expect them to win tomorrow because they're going to be plenty motivated because of the loss they suffered to UCF. The game that could be sneaky tough. Wait, I'm sorry. Is it is it six left? Yeah. So I think they've got to go four and two. Okay. Before the tournament, because yeah. to me that's either you win the four. The four non-Houston games, no bad loss, or you win one of the Houston games. And I think you give yourself a mulligan. Sneaky tough game, Wichita. Well, I, we, I talked about better. that this morning. They, like at Wichita, the crowds haven't been great there, but they're still like the it's one better than you, you a, a USF game, and they've been they've shown now they've been playing the bottom of the barrel. bottom of the barrel, but they're beating the bottom of the barrel and they're playing everyone else close. I will say though. The Wichita State fan base is voting with their feet right now. Oh, yeah, very much so. Very much so. They, that, they, that, that thing's not going to last. They are not going to those games because they don't want there to be a, well, they, they, what do you know? He's got them playing hard. Yeah, they, I don't think, uh, I don't probably, think Isaac Brown's going to make it. That's what fans should year. do. Yeah. Don't let the guy give him, don't let, <laughs> do not give him a chance to save his job. 
Uh, all right, I gotta. I'm gonna propose this buy sell. Sure, go to Reddit, and I'm gonna let you think about it over the break, and we're gonna go to it with um, David Cobb when we come back. Buy sell. Sure to go to Reddit. The collapse of the Big Twelve or potential collapse. Pac twelve of the Pac twelve is good for Memphis in the realignment game. We'll talk about that with Cobb next, right here on Giannotto and Jeffrey, 92.9 FM, ESPN, 8.9. David Cobb covers college basketball and football for CBS Sports. He's on Twitter, at David W. Cobb. Cobb, we'll get into some hoops in just a second, but I'm starting to get a little fascinated by this Pac-12 media rights thing because it seems like, despite uh, the vote of confidence or whatever, the league-wide vote of confidence they got last week, at the bare minimum, if you start like connecting dots, Arizona State is really, really PO'd right now. And they seem to be a part of this contingency that might be willing to leave the Pac-12. In your mind, how likely is that? Yeah, I feel like it's it's certainly within the realm of possibility. Because the Big 12, to me, seems like it's on much firmer footing than the Pac-12. The Big 12 still has the best basketball league in America. Uh, the Big 12 still has uh, college football teams that uh, are going to be competing for a 12-team playoff you know, year in and year out. What does the Pac-12 really have? I mean, Oregon flashed a little bit under a first-year coach, you know, this past season. Washington has a little bit of history from a football side. But, but dang, other than that, with USC and UCLA gone, I mean, I guess you're looking at Utah and 60-something-year-old Kyle Whittingham as your, your standard bearer in football. It's, just, it's, it's on weak footing. It has been for a long time, and it's just a reflection of the fact that they don't take sports all that seriously. And George Klyovkov has been talking to us about all these streaming things he was going to do and how innovative he was going to be. Uh, but it doesn't sound like, you know, that Amazon or Apple wants all that inventory and all that volume and whatnot. So, yeah, it, it's a mess, a mess on the Pac-12's part. I've largely felt, if you look at the moves that the streamers have done in terms of live sports, they've gone after, like, professional leagues. But they haven't really been willing to dip their toe into the college game. I feel like every time it gets, every time it gets you know, thrown out there, well, you know, there's still the streamers out there, and of course we're going to get a deal done with them. I don't know. Like, to me, like that, that just seems to be, until I see it happen, like, I'm just going to have to assume that that's nothing more than trying to you know, get a negotiation. Uh, that's a negotiation tactic. But I think this is kind of the bigger question for people locally. Let's say the Pac-12 dissolves in some form or fashion. You know, Washington and Oregon find a landing spot. I don't know if it's the Big Ten or whatnot. And let's say those four schools that have largely been rumored, which I believe is Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, find their way to the Big 12. What does that rem- what does the remnants of the Pac-12 mean kind of big picture for like schools like Memphis that clearly want to move up? I mean, yeah, you're talking about at that point, Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford, Cal, uh, I don't know what happens to those guys. They might end up in the Mountain West, and there might be some, some serious conversations at Stanford and Cal over where they belong or even if they belong in this new era of college sports because there's just not the cutthroat appetite to do multimillion-dollar buyouts and uh, loosen your academic standards for transfers and grad transfers and all these things that you have to do to be competitive now in college sports. So I think culturally, Oregon State – and Washington State would make a lot of sense in the Mountain West. And then uh, Stanford and Cal, culturally, at this point, probably make more sense in Division Three. So I don't know what it means for Memphis, to be Stanford's honest. Stanford's routinely at the top of the director's uh, cup standings. I can tell you this. There are lots of smart people, smarter than I am, that agree with Cobb. There's been one of the questions, like, the last 12 months is, are you all sure Stanford's going to be playing football in 10 years? Mm, interesting. Yeah, it's hard to get the transfers in. But it's easy to lose them still because, uh, well, it just is. So you, you can lose all the transfers, but then you can't replace them. Uh, or if you do, if you are replacing them, you're replacing them with, uh, with high school prospects who can't enroll early because of the uh, academic stipulations there. And then if you graduate at a lot of these high academic institutions, you're done unless you're like – a super genius and you can get into their grad school. So uh, it's, it's just a, a rough go of it right now for those elite academic schools uh, like Cal and Stanford. So I don't know. I mean, I still think uh, Memphis's best hope in all this would be that the PAC 12 stays together ish. And then the big 12 wants to keep expanding and, 
maybe it whiffs on a team or two that it had hoped it could get from the Pac-12. Memphis is, Memphis is so much better. I will say this. Memphis is so much better than any other option that's left at this point, You know, especially if we're going to see SMU uh, get scooped up into the Pac-12 or whatever. Like Memphis has a good basketball program, a good football program. It has an NBA arena. It has uh, investment coming to its football stadium. It has a relatively large media market, uh, a consistent fan base, honestly. Uh, so, like, it's going to happen at some point. I just win, I guess, is 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 still a, ma- a matter that is to be determined. Yeah, I'm. I think kind of the way I would phrase it is: if the Pac-12 dissolved, I, or the Pac-10, whatever it's going to be now, I don't think that really has any impact on Memphis. I think that they've got to kind of keep their eyes on what happens with the ACC. And right now it feels like everyone in the ACC is kind of fine just staying pat. But mm-hmm. all it, I feel like all it takes right now in the ACC is one school figuring out how to get out of that TV deal. Yeah, exactly. And then the dam breaks, and, yeah. and, and there's a lot of movement from that. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. Uh, geographically, the, the ACC probably makes more sense, I would say, even than, more so than the Big 12. Uh but I, I don't know. I mean, uh, like I've, I've said all along, there's something to be said about Memphis potentially being able to dominate the AAC. I mean, Memphis should be like Conference USA level of basketball dominance in the AAC. Eh, it should. I'm it not should sold be, on that being possible. Like, I, I hope they can do that, but I think it's going to be tougher than you think to like just like. To have, like, well, the other schools, like, for instance, because I, I hear what you're saying, but, like, look at a school like FAU with Dusty May right now. I mean, does anyone really think Dusty May is going to be FAU's coach I'm next year? I'm not saying Memphis is, shouldn't be, won't win the league two out of every three years in comp, in the new new league. But I don't see them – I don't know. I think it's just going to be really hard to replicate that level of dominance they had there for a while in Conference USA. I mean, they were going 15-1 and or 16-0 and basically every year. Yeah, but they were, they were beating up on really bad teams. And, and that's the situation that Memphis is going to be in from a basketball standpoint in a conference that doesn't have uh, Houston or Cincinnati or US, yeah. UCF, I mean, who has at least been decent at, at points under Johnny Hawkins. And, I mean, SMU had its moments too. You lose them, uh, it sounds like. So I, I, there's really, I, I think, a, a pretty clear path to a, a year-in, year-out 16-2 and two conference record for Memphis basketball. I don't know how exciting that is to the fans, you know, but honestly, that it, it, I lived through that, that era under Calipari and it wasn't all that bad. I mean, they, he was getting players. They were they were a lot of fun. They were winning games. Uh, you know, it, it reduces your margin for error, and you end up with Darius Washington at the free throw line, and your NCAA tournament hopes on the line. You know that can too happen soon, too, Cobb. But, too soon. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Uh, yeah, but anyway, I don't know. I, I, from a financial standpoint, it definitely is not ideal. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, clearly, you want to be in a better league financially. Well, I found this interesting. So ESPN came out with their SP Plus preseason rankings yesterday and the most interesting part for me was in terms of their preseason predictions like they had Memphis at 61 I think something like that yeah and they were they had Memphis fourth in the AAC just below UTSA and SMU and then a gap and they're Tulane as as the clear favorite going into next season Um, but it was the conference uh like the average rating per conference. So at the end of last season, the ACC was the lowest rated Power 5 league, and it had an average SP Plus rating of 2.6. And the AAC was the best group of five league, and it had an average SP Plus rating of 1.3. According to these preseason rankings... We're going to go into the year. The ACC will be the lowest-rated Power 5 league again with an average rating of 6.1. The AAC will also be the highest-rated group of five, but its rating is down to negative 7.4. So there's like a huge – like there's, there's like a just – because of Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF leaving, like right there is our first clear indication well, and I wonder how of much, the gap that is going to widen starting this year. I also wonder how much – not only are you losing those, like Charlotte was metrically like one of the worst teams we've we've seen in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Like I wonder like how that much – That weighs yeah. it down unnecessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah perhaps. that's a good point. The, the thing horrible. to remember though about this new era is that 
uh, you're going to have access to the 12 team playoff, even yeah. as a group of five team. And, and it's the, still the best group of five. It's still yeah, the best group of five. Realistically, it's not unreasonable to expect Memphis football, the version of it that we've had for the last decade, that Silverfield is trying to get it back to. Like that version of Memphis football is competing for the AAC title, you know, every other year, every three years. And, and if you win that AAC title, you're in all likelihood going to be in the playoffs. So, I mean, that that's an attractive element of, of the new era uh, for Memphis, for the AAC, is, is that access piece, um, which is which is codified now. Like, that's the way it's going to be. Uh, so, from a football standpoint, joining a new league would be really tough for Memphis football. Like, there would be an uphill an uphill climb there, an uphill battle there. I mean, uh, Houston's about to, to face that. I think in in a really significant way uh, over the next couple of years. Like I would be surprised if they are able to go 500 in the Big 12. Well, to, uh, to your point, I don't think it's any coincidence that Luke. This was the year Luke Fickle decided to get out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he doesn't have to deal with transitioning Cincinnati to a much tougher conference and and whatnot. So, yeah, it wasn't a coincidence. That's, that's a great point. So, yeah, the, from a football standpoint, joining a new league on the field is never ever easy. Uh, especially when you're jumping up uh, a weight class, basketball it's it's more practical to to do to do so successfully overnight. Well, let's switch course to basketball. Big game in the SEC tonight. My Crimson Tide. Alabama comes to Knoxville as the number one team in the country. Cobb, I got the Tide to at take, twenty to one. By the way, to take on Tennessee, six nice. o'clock tip on ESPN two tonight. Um, what do you make of the matchup? Are the Vols due? Vegas has the Vols as, what, a three-and-a-half-point favorite? Something yeah, like that, that line stinks. <laughs> Baffling. I am baffled by the fact that Tennessee is a is a favorite tonight, especially considering, one, Josiah Jordan-James isn't going to play. He's one of their better perimeter defenders. And then, obviously, it sounds like Julian Phillips, who, you know, he's similar to Josiah Jordan-James. They're both 6'7", 6'8", lanky wings, really good defenders. So, like, you can cope with the loss of just one, but – when you don't have either of those guys out there and you're playing against that super athletic, versatile Alabama team that has four or five different really explosive offensive weapons, like I just don't see Tennessee being at its best defensively tonight. And you know, those guys help them on offense too. And if neither one of them is playing, I, I don't know. I, I know Betty Ocko is questionable for Alabama, but I just struggle to see Tennessee uh, being covering a three-and-a-half-point spread, let alone – you know, winning this thing outright. Like I, I would go Alabama money line tonight. Maybe I've just watched too much of this Tennessee team recently, and I'm I'm kind of skewed on that. But yeah, I, I think the Crimson Tide roll in Knoxville tonight. Well, that was the other thing because obviously this is the ultimate, you know, styles clash here. You know, this is the unstoppable force, immovable object in terms of the way they want to play. But correct me if I'm wrong. Nate Oates hasn't really struggled against Tennessee, has he? No, not really. I mean. Yeah, it's a, a clash of styles in the sense that, like, Alabama is a little bit more up-tempo and, and uh, you know, the Tennessee is slower, wants to play a half-court game, all that. Um, but at the end of the day, like, Alabama is still a really, really good defensive team, too. And I just have a hard time seeing Tennessee uh, getting a lot, of, a lot of buckets against a team that has a lot of length and athleticism. And, you know, an Alabama team that's been playing really well defensively. Alabama isn't just beating SEC opponents. Alabama is crushing SEC opponents. I mean, their average margin of victory in the league is what was it? Spoiling? What, what did Nate say on Saturday? Spoiling Super Bowls? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's uh, Alabama is number one in the country for a reason. I think they're the best team in the country. Uh, Tennessee is not playing like a top ten team. It's just. They happen to still have a, a top ten ranking because nobody else in college basketball is good enough to take it. Okay, I think we can agree that's that's clearly the best SEC basketball game, best college basketball game probably tonight. Oh or at least, I know at least the one you're going. At to least next. in terms of, but I, no, what's the second best SEC game? Because I think there's two clear options: Arkansas A and M. It's definitely that one. Or no, it's not celebrity death match. No, it's not old. Right? Is it this? Is this a loser leaves town in Starkville tonight? <laughs> uh, oh, in Starkville. Maybe. Uh, no, actually, I was going to say for you, Ole Miss. Oh yeah, no, I, and the cat, it, Kentucky at Mississippi State. Well, anything involving Kentucky right now is—I mean, well, they're both like they're both the exact same spot on the bubble. No, and it well, and, but it, with Kentucky right now, I found Kentucky to be as entertaining as they would be as like a number as a top five Kentucky team right now because go, tuning in to watch like the angst 
of that fan base right now and the anger at John Calipari is, listen, like, I don't hate or love John Calipari, but I do enjoy watching this storyline play out. I appreciate him. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they are firmly on the bubble, make no doubt. Like, Kentucky has to finish strong. And all of a sudden, like, Mississippi State's kind of been hanging in there, kind of making a little bit of a comeback. So, going down the hump, and, and Kentucky's already struggling to score, and now they got to go play that Mississippi State defense, which is no f- Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 